Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to Jonathan Groff. Theater fans and Hamilton heads will know him from his Tony-nominated Broadway work in Spring Awakening as Melchior and in Hamilton as the scene-stealing King George. On screen, he's appeared in shows like Glee and Looking, and in movies, he's probably best known for playing Kristoff in Disney's animated smash, Frozen. He's back as Kristoff in the highly anticipated Frozen 2 in cinemas November 22nd, not too long after his small screen return in the second season of Mindhunter, the Netflix series in which he stars. On top of all that, he's back on stage, too, starring as Seymour in the new, intimate, off-Broadway revival of Little Shop of Horrors. Ross here in the studio with me to tell us about all of that and more. All right, this is the interview portion of Stagecraft with Jonathan Groff. Hello. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, how are you? Thanks for being here for the second time. You were um, one of my first guests a couple years ago. Thanks for having me back. Um, and you were, we are delighted to have you back. And you were also, to this day, it is one of the most popular episodes we have ever released. No way. So, yeah, so welcome back. Score. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm happy to be back. Um, and so you, we were just talking about how the fact that uh, a couple of weeks ago you opened Little Shop of Horrors yes. and you've sort of settled into the run. Yes. And how's it going? Are you having a good time? It might be the most fun I've ever had. It's, it's kind of a perfect show, perfectly written. Right. And it's like a joy ride every night. It's, I get so excited to do the show. This sounds kind of cheesy, <clears throat> excuse me, but even like... On Sunday afternoons, when we do our final show of the week, right. I get to—I feel a little depressed as I'm leaving the dressing room. I know, I know. Has that funny. ever happened before? I feel like Marion Seldes or something, because yeah. <laughs> she's got the famous story of like we get to do it twice today. And everyone's like, oh god. But really, and it's not just me. I don't know if everyone else feels depressed when the week is over, but sure. I do feel like okay. I just have to wait until Tuesday before I get to do it again. And what what particularly do you feel like you respond to in Seymour and in the in the part that you play? It's just you get to do everything. It's like it's a show where you get to be dramatic and funny and you get to sing great songs and everybody in the show gets a standout moment. So the entire cast right. gets featured in really exciting and surprising and fun ways. And so I think everyone feels like we all have something to offer and it creates this kind of team mentality when you arrive. And then the audience, because the theater is so small, it's only teeny tiny, teeny tiny. Like we should, for people who haven't seen a show there or haven't yeah. seen this show yet, like it's, what is it? 250 people, 270, 270. And yeah. the stage is so small that when the plant grows, you're like tripping. Over yeah, it. exactly. Like, it's really like, <laughs> yeah, it feels like the audience is inside the shop with us. Right. It's so small. And so, 
because like the, we're having so much fun doing it, the audience, a lot of people know the show or know some of the songs or it were, it's sort of like the audience and the cast are there to both celebrate the show at the same time. And so it's a very unique, joyful energy. And I was talking to Michael Mayer, our director, the director who you worked with on spring awakening. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And who is so incredible. And, mm. and, we just have had such a good time doing the show with him and he's just a phenomenal director. And we were saying during, I was saying to him during previews, I feel like it's been a very, this also sounds very cheesy, but a very kind of healing experience for everyone in the cast and for Michael. And when Michael pitched us all the show originally, he said, I want to do Little Shop off Broadway. It's never moving to Broadway. We're doing it in a small theater. We're not doing this for the money. We're not doing this to make our careers. He said, I want to do this show for the reason that we all used to do shows, which was just to have a good time. I wanted to feel like Summerstock. And I think that that has happened from day one for the cast. And I think for the audience, the response that we're getting is, I couldn't stop smiling. I can't remember the last time I had so much fun. Right. You know, it's a very, I think, healing, joyful experience for the audience as well. Right. Uh, you mentioned right before we turned on the mics that there's uh, an ongoing saliva effort. Tell us yes. about that. What, is that. what does that mean? Well, I have a natural, this is also a problem, question mark, uh, <laughs> with this, this size of the house. Uh-huh, yeah. Is that I spit a lot on stage. I've mm. always been a spitter. Mm. Um, I get wet when I act. It's just what happens. <laughs> just, well, I get, I start sweating. I yep. get... Tammy, when we were in, it's first started. Yeah, this is like, Tammy Blanchard, your co-star. Yep. Yes, who I'm deeply obsessed with. Sure. She, uh, she said, are, are you taking saliva pills? Because I guess Bernadette Peter, she said during Gypsy, would take saliva pills to get, to keep her throat lubricated. I did not know that. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not taking saliva pills. <laughs> I just get wet when I perform on stage. It is just what happens. And so I, I break out into a sweat and then I get, I just, I spit a lot. And so... About three weeks, I got over it. Mm -hmm. But for the first couple of weeks of the run, I, so I felt bad because I walked down to the end of the stage in, in, in the opening number, the second song of the show, Skid Row. Mm -hmm. And I can't help it. I'm just like spitting on everyone. And they're, they're either like enjoying it or they're laughing or they're holding up their programs to block their face. <laughs> oh. uh, and you can really see at, on from stage, it's as close as, I mean, we're about two feet away. Yeah, no, you're that close. And that's how close, close we are, yeah. yeah. So it's it's uh, it, it felt like a problem at first, and now I don't care anymore. I'm oh, just like... That's the way to do it. How yeah. can you... Yeah. 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 I felt, it made me feel self-conscious at first. I was like, oh, I, yeah. God. I'd never, I'd never been so close to the audience where I was actually seeing the reaction on people's face while I spat on them. And now... This time I am. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so it had been a few years since you'd, you'd been on stage. Were you hoping to get back? Uh, like, was, that, was this a thing on your radar? Like, oh, I want to get back on stage sometime soon? And so I mean, why? I just sort of like always want to be on stage. When I moved yeah. to New York when I was 19, it was just to do theater and nothing else. It's right. my, it's my. That was for Spring Awakening. Yeah. For, well, I, yeah, I did Spring Awakening when I was 20. 20, I think I got cast, okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, but when I moved to New York when I was 19, I, I just like was a dream to have a career in the theater. Right. But I didn't anticipate something as amazing as Spring Awakening. I just wanted to be a theater actor. Right. So yeah, yeah I, lo I love being on stage. I, I never not want to be on stage. It just feels like a part of who I am. And 
are you enjoying acting with a puppet? Because sometimes you are also <laughs> you are also playing a puppet. Yeah, at the right, same time. right. And, I would say the the puppet that I operate mm. used to be my least favorite part of the show oh. because it's like it's like tapping your head and rubbing your belly at the same time. Yeah, you know, it's just like one of those technical things that right. it was the it was the most challenging part of the rehearsal process uh, was learning how to act and dance and sing and operate the puppet at the same time. Sure. Uh, now it's one of my favorite parts of the show because I've kind of gotten a handle on it and I've learned that I can scare the audience in the front row by snapping at them. And so that's been really fun. <laughs> that's entertaining. That yeah. happened the night I saw it. Yeah. So yep. that's, been fun. that's been really fun. And then, and then one of my favorite parts of the show has always been and continues to be acting with either, it's like and, Eric and or Teddy are puppeteers in the show that yeah. operate Audrey 2. Right. And... And Kingsley, who is the voice of Audrey, too. Right, yeah. Where is he? In, when he's, is he like off stage with a mic? Or, he's all the yeah. way in the back, okay. behind, in, a, in his own little booth behind where the stage manager is, right. up house right. Okay. And, and is he, oh, so he's watching. So, so he has okay. like, yeah, he's got like a monitor of the stage. He can sort of see the stage out of a window, and mm-hmm. he's got a monitor with the music director connecting. Okay. And it's, it's, it's so... Uh, unique the experience because the puppeteers really have to be listening to Kingsley in order to right. match his vocal which right. he changes a little bit night to night yeah. and so they're in a hyper listening mode I'm in a hyper listening watching mode watching them listen to him to react to him in the booth it's like I'm reacting to the plant reacting to Kingsley and it's like this three way experience that I've never had before on stage that's it's it's just it, it's you're hyper aware. Mm. You have to have your senses really open more than usual because you're you have to. There's so many people at play trying to match each other. Yeah, you talked about the challenges with the puppet initially. Is there anything else that uh, has been unusually challenging about this this show and this part for you? I think you know when I did the last time I did a big musical where I was on stage as much as this was maybe Spring Awakening and I was in my yeah. early twenties. So now I'm learning like the power of the foam roller and the massage. <laughs> Being 34, it's just a diff. And, and I'm not saying that it, 34 is particularly old, but mm-hmm. it is, you know, a, over a decade older than when I did a musical before. Right. And so I'm having to prepare to sustain the eight shows a week in a way that I didn't have to when I was in my early 20s. Sure. And it's, and that has been, an, it's been, it's, it's almost like I'm in better health doing because you have to take such good care of yourself so i'm in better health now than i ever have been because i'm stretching i'm doing the foam roller because i want when i get on stage to do the show to just fly you're taking halls all the time apparently yes you're popping halls yes tammy blanchard got us all addicted to holes and Uh, do you have a flavor of choice or i uh, really i sort of changes all the time all right uh right now i'm kind of into the sugar-free cherry flavor Right. Um, and this is during the show that you're during the show. I have, although not in your mouth when performing. Not in my you mouth. You learned the hard way. Yes, last night on stage, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just keep the holes in my mouth during the opening number, and it and then it produced too much saliva, sure. and then I was I was spittling all over myself in the. It was like not only spit going out, but then like drool going down. <laughs> It was right. too much. It was too much. So, I can have the halls off stage. That won't happen again. No, no, no. That won't happen again. All right. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, 
The last time you were on the podcast, the first season of Mindhunter had uh, just come out, and um, we were we talked a lot at the time about how it was how hard it was for you to like not smile as much as your natural tendency. And yes, David Fincher was sort of a hard ass about that kind of yes. thing. Yes, did that get easier for season two? It did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did get easier. The not smiling aspect definitely was easier for season two than it was in season one. I think because. In season one, you're really, everyone is trying to find the tone and the characters and everything on the yeah, show. Right. And season two, it felt like, I think for the, the writers and the directors and the actors and the crew, for all of us, we knew what the world of the show was. Right. Uh, it doesn't mean that it was easy with David. He's always right. trying to take everything to the next level. So. No one was allowed in any way, shape, or form to be in cruise control. Right. But the specific thing of not smiling was became more second nature to me. And the character of Holden, what I loved in the second season was sort of his... In the first season, he's so fascinated and obsessed with any, any sort of serial killer he can interview or whatever. And then right at the beginning of the second season, he goes to Atlanta and he's like, these guys are such a waste of my time. I'm so much smarter than these serial killers that I'm interviewing and he comes into the room with this like sass and this like attitude that was so different than the first season uh still not smiling but just in a different way that it was fun to sort of like build on those sort of initial things from the character in season one do you find that working with David and working the way you do with David and on on that character has that filtered back and to the way you think about uh, other characters and approaching yes. other characters? How All so? the time. How so? David Fincher is always on my brain. You know, having worked with him for two years in yep. Pittsburgh, it's like his voice is always in my head. I, I often think like, even, even, even when I'm doing Little Shop, his voice is in my head. And what is he saying to you? Don't go up at the end. Uh, <laughs> do a st- Stop acting. Do less. Like there's a... Don't musicalize things. Think about the intention of what you're saying. I mean, it's all very basic, like right. acting stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it's like it's like the it's such good reminders to, especially with theater, because you do things over and over again. Right. And so I'm you're always you're always thinking about how to make it better every night. And so oftentimes I'll think of David. David came to see Little Shop of Horrors. Oh. And was in was in the front row of our first Saturday matinee with his wife, Sion, who's our executive producer yeah. on Mindhunter. Uh, and so I really thought about him then. Because uh, yeah, he was I bet. And what did he have to say about it when it was all over? He was so sweet and so mm. supportive and amazing, both he and Sion. They, I couldn't believe that they were there. And not only that they were there, but they were in the front row was hilarious. So I yep. did end up spitting on him. A little no, bit sure. As well. It was the scene where I'm but like, possibly doing... not for the first time. I right. mean, you've been acting well, around no. him for a long time, but on, but on, <laughs> but on camera, you're like, I'm talking as quiet. Oh, that's fair. Possibly? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I'm doing like, it. you're like yeah. TV voice or whatever. Yeah. And so you're not articulating as much as yeah. you do. Right? right. And so I don't think he had been aware. He had seen Hamilton. So he probably knew that I had a memory of spit flying, but yeah. uh, <laughs> he was in the front row and it was a scene where I'm holding the contracts. And I, and I was right in front of him for that scene, him in front of him and Sion. And I was like, maybe I should hold these up so I don't... Oh, well, I'll just spit all over David and Sion. They won't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and since we've talked about sort of what was hard for you about getting hold in your character in that show, what is it... So you're repressing that natural, repressing that natural tendency of yeah. yours to sort of smile and be ingratiating and stuff like that. But what what is it that actually chimes with you in Holden in terms of what 
uh, who he is and who you are. I think like, particularly in the second season, the thing that I resonates with me kind of, but that also was in, in some ways the most challenging thing for me in the second season was the procedural aspect of the Atlanta child murders and the kind of like police work thing. And as an actor, I'm more naturally drawn to sort of the psychological interviews, like the, that sort of cerebral work and the cerebral scenes that when it became about the policing and the the case in Atlanta and like the city names and the children's names and the kind of like getting into the nitty gritty of that aspect of it, I find that those just like technically hard to memorize. Like uh, yeah, I bet. the yeah. case stuff, I find that really difficult. And just sort of deliver like you're not delivering exposition, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Trying to like stay emotionally uh, like connected to yeah. what's going on, but you are you are delivering like these this historic case um, and trying to be like respectful of all the people, the real life people that were involved in that. But But on the flip side, that's also kind of the aspect that I relate to most in Holden is the ability to just lose yourself in your work. I can just like go and hours go by. And I, you know, when we were doing tech for Little Shop of Horrors, I love the 12 hour days. I'm oh. like, weird like that where I, I wow. get really nerdy and obsessed and super into my work in the same way that Holden does. Right. Was the tech process different in this teeny tiny theater than it was or more? It was more, the challenge of this one was there's no backstage really. It's like you sneeze or take one step and you're on stage from off stage. And so the challenge of the tech was sort of negotiating the teensy weensy backstage area. Is that downstairs? Like where do you go for, like where's your dressing room? Downstairs? Yeah, so it's like a spiral staircase down the stairs and then it's boys dressing room, girls dressing room. Sure, yeah. uh, And it's basically like a hallway and we're all, it's, it's like super janky back there. Yeah. It's part of the charm of the experience. Right. Yeah. (laughs) There's like what, there was like, it's like stone, there's like stone wall where when it rains, like the water kind of drips in. There's this in the, in the boys dressing room. The air conditioner is like held together. Like the air conditioner vent is held together with like tape. Mm. Um, it's that kind of moment. Who is the <laughs> Who is the easiest and hardest person to share a dressing room with? Did you used to share with Lynn in during Hamilton? So Am I we shared. That up? Yeah, you're not making that up. Okay. We shared. We shared a dressing room space. So we each mm-hmm. had our own. Adina Menzel was in this area when she was doing the show If Then ah. at the Richard Rogers. And so we shared what was the Adina Menzel suite. Yeah, the memorial suite. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so so Lynn was in the, was in what was Adina's dressing room and I was in what was Adina's waiting room. Right. <laughs> and then we shared the bathroom. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, right. So that was, it was sort of like our own little like right. communal shared space. Right. Um, but when we were off Broadway with Hamilton, all the guys, well, Lynn and Leslie had a dressing room that they shared. And then, and then the ensemble guys shared a dressing room. And then it was like Oak, David, Anthony, me and Chris Jackson in a dressing room. Right. Right. All right. So this is, you know what this is. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. Oh my God. At Spring Awakening, we had, we all shared the same dressing room with a curtain that divided the boys. Oh really? Yeah. And I remember like the girls. At the Atlantic? At the the Atlantic. Atlantic? Yeah. yeah. And it was so hot. I remember the girls naked in front of the fan, like cooling themselves off. Right. Right. (laughs) Lauren Um, Pritchard, just like with her tits out in front of that fan and just have a very 
deep memory of all of I that. I mean, you guys got to know each other pretty well. I we did. That. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very well. <laughs> um, back to Mindhunter. Is, will there be a third season? Do you know yet? I hope so. Yeah. We, we don't know yet. When? David's shooting a movie, so it would have to okay. be after that. after that is over. How do you contrive to get Holden to sing on Mindhunter? <laughs> could, oh could there be a karaoke episode? Could there be a... <laughs> <laughs> Part of what I love about Mindhunter is that it's so opposite from the right. musical stuff. So personally, I I don't have a desire. It's like, and I went there right after Hamilton. It was like, I also find like yeah. theater is so communal. Mm. Like, you know, I, I think I've had a guest at every show yeah. so far. And, you know, of the whatever 40 yeah. performances that we've done of Little Shop, I've had a a friend or a friend of a friend or somebody at every performance. And it's a very, you know, you show up, everybody signs in, we're all in the same dressing room, we're chatting, we do the show together with the communing with the audience. Yeah. It's over, you go for a drink. It's a very, for me, a social experience. And Mindhunter is the total opposite. It's like, it's kind of solitary, it's Pittsburgh, it's quiet, it's, I never see my friends, yeah. it's, it's more of a, it's, it's just the complete opposite experience, and I kind of love that aspect of it, the court, it's like nice to have both. Yeah, it seems like in terms of the community of the doing a show versus doing a TV show, I feel like doing, speaking of Frozen 2, which is coming up uh-huh. momentarily, uh-huh. Um, do you guys... How do you guys get to know each other as a cast? Because I feel, do you work to, do you record together? Do you, it no. must be an entirely different kind of It is, uh, it is. Experience. Frozen 2, coming back to it, I felt a community and a family with Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck and Bobby uh-huh. and Kristen Lopez and all the whole like sort of production team yeah. because you spend many hours with them recording and, and with Kristen and Adina and Josh, we've, we got to hang out on the press tour for the right. first movie and we know each other from just sort of being actors right. around. Right. And so I didn't spend I didn't spend any time with any of the actors ever recording anything. Yeah. But it did for Frozen 2 still feel like kind of familial because it's the same it's the same team that was making it. So that that did feel very like like connected and community in a way. Do you that must be hard to sort of act into the void like that uh, in terms of line delivery. Do you find there's something also beneficial or useful or interesting about that way of working? Yeah, I I sort of love it. I I it reminds me of playing Disney movies as a kid when I would be alone in my room, mm-hmm. you know, pretending it, it, that there was a fight or pretending I was in the elements or even like. And it's, I'm reminded, like, my four-year-old niece, when it was snowing last year, mm. she went out into the yard, and she was like, Papa, just by herself. <laughs> and she was pretending to be in Beauty and the Beast and Belle when she's, like, in the, I don't know, she, I forget that part of the movie, but yeah. she was, like, screaming Papa in a code and, like, with bare feet and snow. And we were like, all right, girl, like, we just do you. <laughs> do and that's kind of what recording a Disney movie is like. I'm like, Anna, in the middle of a pretend blizzard. It's the right. same it's the same kind of thing. And I, I also don't mind getting line readings. I'm not an act. Like, if you give me a line reading, I'm like, just tell me how to say it. You don't need to, like, uh-huh. trick me into how to say it correctly. So <laughs> I don't have a weird thing about, you should say it with that inflection. You know, I right. don't. So I kind of, and you just say it a bunch of different ways. Different it's ways, right? Fun. And yeah. then they pick one? Yeah. And then they pick one, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, have you seen the stage musical Frozen? I did. I was there. I, not only did I see the stage musical, I was at the out-of-town tryout oh, wow. in Denver, yeah. and then I went to the opening 
nights on Broadway. Right. I and loved it. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Oh my God. When Casey Levy tossed her fucking hairpin out of her hair and and <laughs> i was like i can't and when her dress flew off when her body thing, yeah i like levitated yeah. <laughs> yeah it was amazing would you ever want to be in would would you ever want to play christoph in the stage musical i don't think so i it would be too like like it's so weird because they kept like people kept asking me at the opening night in the interviews yeah. and stuff yeah. like is it weird that you and I, I feel connected to Kristoff, but because I'm not, because it's like the voice of, like Kristoff is blonde and right. very like burly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, it, and to me, a lot of ways, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to downgrade the, the voice actors' it, contribution to animated film, but the animators are so amazing and they really, in my mind, are the characters because of how they just their brilliant artistry of what they do and right. and in this second movie i sing this song called lost in the woods and when i saw it i hit the floor because i could not believe what the i had recorded the song and then they took the song to the like to attend it was like crazy what they did with it so i don't really feel an ownership of the character in the way like right i do feel a sense of ownership of holden because I, it's, it's me on the, on the screen. So I can, you know, give credit to the directors and the writers and all the people that had all the ideas that I didn't have to help make Holden who he is. But it is my face on the screen. With, with Christoph, it's, it's different. It's my voice, but I can really see so much work that all the animators did. So right. in, in like doing the show, right. it, I would be like, well, no, that's, that's you know, Jelani's right. part. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Do you um, ever miss being in Hamilton? And have you thought about popping in and doing, you know, cause, well, how, how, what, what's your stage time in that role? Yeah, right? it's I, like, what is it, 15 minutes? I mean, it's, it's nine like minutes. Yeah. Is it really nine? It's a, it's a cute nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a cute, clean nine minutes. Great. <laughs> and I, it was, it was like the most incredible nine minutes to have on stage because that role yeah. is so amazing. And, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think about going back because to me that experience was about that company mm. because I spent so much time off stage that even more <laughs> than playing the king for me personally, I mean, playing the king was incredible, but the experience of the show was actually the, co the communal experience with that group of people because I spent most of the time hanging out with Lynn in the Adina Menzel oh, suite. Yeah. Yeah. And then... And then people coming in, Oak would come into my dressing room, Pippa, Jasmine, they would all come into my dressing room at certain times and sit on my small, tiny little couch. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is just as much what I remember about performing Hamilton than actually performing yeah. Hamilton. So it wouldn't be the same if I had went back. Right. Do you are you someone who listens to cast recordings, Broadway cast recordings? Uh, yeah. And what are your and what are your what are, what's sort of the, the like most frequent uh, kind of return teams for you? Good question. I would say I would say my cast recording, my heavy cast recording listening phase mm -hmm. was like between the ages of twelve and twenty three. Mm -hmm. That's when I was like really going through cast recording moments. Right. Um, I would say, yeah, recently, I haven't listened to a lot of cast recordings recently, although what is the, I'm trying to think, what is the most recent one that I've listened to? 
I've been listening to a lot of Barbara. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So I guess the most yeah I guess the most recent cast recording that I listened to is the original cast recording of Funny Girl. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's it's sort of a th- random throwback, but yeah. And do you are there any of those that you're listening to and thinking, oh, there's a part I want to play or? <laughs> Danny Bryce, definitely. yeah. Well, Danny Bryce, uh, obviously. Uh, That's the... No, I. It's funny. I, I'm not. I don't do well. Really, the 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 sort of weird thing about it all is that I always want to play girl parts. Mm-hmm. So I always want to be like Maria in The Sound of Music or Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. Right. I was just, oh, or I was, Audrey in Little Shop or Audrey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Little Shop is one where like I would want to play Seymour, and thankfully mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. But but I but. Like the, I was listening to the My Fair Lady recording a lot mm. when that revival happened yeah. two years ago. So that was one that I was listening to a lot. And I just like listening to her, it's, I just am drawn to her songs more than I'm drawn to Henry Higgins. All right. Well, how can we make My Fair Lady starring Jonathan Groff happen? Like, that's Nobody wants to see that. that no. to... <laughs> it's a, it sounds like a funny idea. It's, it's sort a... of like, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, that would be maybe fun one night only. to that's hear a... a guy sing girl songs. But then like the actual reality of it is <laughs> makes you want to kill yourself yeah, just, yeah, yeah you could do it for that um what is it mcc that does yeah. the, like miscast oh uh, i've done those yes yeah, yeah, yes yeah, sure. I've, I've already used up that opportunity oh, well, right. <laughs> i've already scratched that itch yeah <laughs> i can't go back again and keep doing it you know yeah. yeah but that's just you know that's just the the innate trouble with being gay is yes. you just want to play all the girl well, i guess so yeah that's a really <laughs> So there's a ton of you were talking about this with the difference between uh, Mindhunter and all the and the stage work. Like there's a lot of variety in the kind of stuff you do. Um, variety, is good there, plug. Yeah, thanks. A lot um, of variety. Is uh, <laughs> is there anything you haven't been able to do yet that you feel like uh, you're really sort of desperate to? Oh gosh, this is like I I there's a million people that I want to work with that I haven't worked with yet. Like Phoebe Waller Bridge sure. is yeah. the first a. one that comes to mind. Oh God, Alexander Payne! I'd love to work with mm-hmm. him. There's just a million. Uh, Soderbergh, I'd love to work with him. Yeah. Wes Anderson, I'd love to work with. There's just like a million directors that I'm dying to work with. Um, a bunch of actors that I'd love to. It's more about that to me than mm. than I'm not a dream role person. I never right. have been, and I'm really bad at inventing ideas right. of like. And now I want to do this. It's right. it's. I have more of an instinctual, immediate feeling about reading something and going, I want to do that, or I don't want to do that. And how much is that based on the team involved, and how much of it is, of, how much of it is based on uh, your sort of response to the, um, the project itself? I'll take advice with a grain of salt, always, uh-huh. from anyone. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, I make my own decisions. Well, sorry, I guess I mean creative team involved. Like, how much oh. is, like, as you're looking ahead? I thought you meant, like, my of, agents oh, your being team, like, you should yeah, do your this. Team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I'll take their advice with a grain of salt. Sure, but I'll yeah. The, yeah. Uh, like, oh, how much everything. are your choices guided by the people always. as much as the... Okay. All the people. Yeah, yeah always the people. Uh, yeah, it's, it's... It doesn't have to be like, I'm only want to work with seasoned, you know. Uh, uh, it's, sure. But, yeah, it's it's about the... What is the collaboration going right. to be like? What what is the What is the writing feel like to me? What is my instinct about it when I read it? Do I feel like I can bring something to it? Is it something that feels new and exciting to do? All of those stuff, all of that stuff feels like the, it's hard to even really, it's hard to uh, articulate because that to me, part of the fun of it is that it is a mystery. Like you can't, anything that I've predicted or said that I wanted, if, if I can think of what it is, 
then I kind of don't really want to do it. Right. That just sounds kind of boring. <laughs> right. If I yeah. can, if I can anticipate what it would be like, yeah. then it's already it's already boring to do and boring to watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a job or a gig or a project that you have always considered sort of the one that got away for you, or the thing that you wish you did, or? The night is bitter, <laughs> the star... Um, that's the man that got away. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Is great. that weird to say? No, no I, that's I, great. I don't have the one that got away. Do I? Right. Uh, I don't know. N- nothing that's coming to my mind. Oh, um, oh, all right. No, I don't... Maybe I'm too, like... That's good. That sounds very healthy. Glass half so, full, yeah. but no, I don't yeah. have... I feel there's so many. Now this is gonna sound really cheesy, but there's so many. There's so many talented people working. I honestly just feel so lucky for the opportunities that I've gotten, yeah. and that that's for real. Like the, even like when we were doing Mindhunter, and we'd have all these incredible guest stars come in and just fucking kill it, and like prepared and can do anything and and able to take direction and many of them who I'd never seen their work before or met before and I just it was incredibly humbling yeah. because you're like wow I get to I get to be here every day and have this great job and I just yeah I'm just like knocking on wood that I get to continue to keep doing what I'm doing and how long are you in little shop for Till January nineteenth, twenty twenty. Is there any possibility of that of the show ex- of either you extending or the show extending? I mean, I think the producer's have... dream is to keep the show keep going. going as long as possible. Right. I don't know that to be true, but right. I think that that's that would be their dream. And I think, I think Little Shop should run in New York at the Westside Theater forever because right. it's the perfect location for the show, yeah. and it's such a beautifully crafted production. Michael did such a good job. And so, if you're out January, sorry, 20th, is that what you said? Uh, January 19th, 2020. 2020. Um, What's next for you? I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. Um, I have no idea. When you are not acting, what are you most likely to be doing? Um, These days, foam rolling. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Foam rolling in order to be able to act uh and sing the next day um going to spin class okay yeah yep. i tried to do spin class before the matinees to wake up my body wow i get really sweaty at the like... matinees because once i start sweating i can't well, then stop. it's all over yeah do you, yeah do, that's a long day you've got some spin class you've got a little yeah you've got some acting yeah. uh you'd see me on my bike i bike everywhere okay. in new york yeah. so yeah. if i'm not at the theater i'm definitely on my bike um I might be at the theater. Sure. I love to see plays. Right. Um, what, where else would you find me? Um, I don't know. Just sleeping. trying to figure out if you, if you had to like, I'm a cook or I, oh I'm a... So the opposite yeah. of a cook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever the opposite of a cook is, that's what I yeah, am. I don't know. An eater, I guess. Yeah. That's a... <laughs> totally. Yeah. Right. Um, I think those are... All my questions for you. That was so fun and easy. (laughs) You're a pleasure to talk to. Well, as are you always. So when you're on again for the for the third time, whatever it is. Well, in my fair Groff, I think is what it's is what you're going to be. No. Oh my God, no! I I won't let it happen. All right. Well, so not that, but whatever the next time (laughs) is, we'll see you then. Okay, great. I look forward to it. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. That was Jonathan Groff, 
now starring on stage in Little Shop of Horrors, and on screen in Frozen 2. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of Stagecraft, please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever is your podcatcher of choice. Or tell a fellow theater fan about us. Next week, I'm talking to Claire Warden, the Broadway intimacy director who's leading the push to revolutionize the way we talk about, rehearse, and enact sensitive content on stage. Until then, see you at the theater. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.